Hi, this is Jay Bear of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to Connex, the content experience show. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. I've got Anna Harak joining me from Convince and Convert. And today we have a repeat guest. So don't be confused if this one looked familiar, although it may not look too familiar because she's got a new last name. So Amy Schmidtower is now Amy Landino, and she's talking all about video. And th- this was a really interesting podcast for me because I think video is continually changing in terms of our expectations from it on social, uh, on our website. And, you know, we've got to stay in the loop. And Amy is definitely in the loop. I I know we both felt that way, Anna. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, I think, was hands down one of my favorite um, episodes to record because Amy gives such amazing, practical, tangible, yet inspirational advice. I mean, this whole episode is packed full of information and and just tips and tricks. Absolutely. You know, there we, we get into a combination of strategy in this podcast, but as well some of the as as Anna just described, some of the very specific things that we should do to ensure that we're optimizing the quality of video and the way people experience video with new limitations on how audio plays or does not play on certain browsers these days. So, you know, this is going to be one of those those episodes that if you're deploying a video strategy already and want to take it to the next level or you're thinking about launching it, I, I really think you'll walk away with some ideas about how to kick things off. And you know, on top of that, you know, we, we get to a little bit of a sneak peek on Amy from a speaker perspective, because as, as we all know, she is one of our keynotes at Connex, the live experience later this summer. Yeah, and I'm really excited. I mentioned this in the podcast, but I'm really excited to see her speak. I've seen her on YouTube, obviously her book, Vlog Like a Boss. Um, I've read through it and, you know, I've never just seen her talk, so I'm excited. And this is a really great preview for anybody who's going to Connex or thinking about going to Connex about what they could expect from Amy's session. Absolutely. So before we go to it, because, uh, you know, we've got the podcast lined up, but, you know, Anna, what is your favorite form of video to consume these days? Like, where do you like taking in video content? You know what? I'm a huge fan of Instagram stories. And it's funny because Amy even touches on it about how, you know, Instagram stories really was sort of ripped off from Snapchat. Instagram says borrowed, but you know, semantics. Um, I love it. And you know, the problem with that, though, which I'm sure marketers are cringing right now, because it's considered dark social, and it's not trackable. But I love Instagram stories. I feel like it's real. It's more authentic. It's sort of on the fly. But what about you, Randy? What's your favorite? Yeah, I, I hit on this one also. I I'm I, I work too much and I, I love to stay informed. So I'm a LinkedIn junkie. Like I, I go there all the time, but I've found it so much more intriguing over the last year since they introduced video. Um, and it's it's really brought a lot more life to it. Same way you're talking about with Instagram stories. So let, let's roll this podcast. I think a lot of us will take inspiration how we can bring life to our brand. Uh, we'll roll it uh, with you and Anna. You and Amy, Anna.
Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Actually, I should say thank you so much for joining us again. You actually were on this podcast when it was content pros, but we've rebranded and it's really great to have you back. It's great to be back, Anna and Randy. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So everybody I'm sure out there already knows you as Vlog Like a Boss or even from your Savvy Sexy social YouTube channel, which is amazing. But just in case maybe somebody out there is getting to know you for the first time, would you mind just giving a little overview about Amy? Yeah, sure. And and you know what's kind of funny is even Savvy Sexy Social isn't really around anymore. So things have happened, uh, like moving and shaken since the last time I was here. So this update, I think, will be really really helpful for a lot of people that are trying to keep up. I actually uh, am a business owner. I own two creative studios, Aftermark and Vlogboss Studios, helping brands introduce and leverage video storytelling in their own online marketing mix. Um, I also kind of talk about these things and also bring awareness to going after the life that you want on my YouTube channel, which is now called Amy TV. That just actually happened this year. I went through a lot of personal branding changes this year. I got married, changed my last name. So if you don't recognize my last name. It was Amy Schmidauer previously and now um, Amy Landino on Amy TV. So a lot of things going on, but um, that's sort of the the long and short of it. Um, I, last time I was on here, I was talking about my book, Vlog Like a Boss, which came out in early in 2017. So really excited to be back to share more. Congrats on a big year. I mean... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, and and It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we know the pain of rebranding. So congrats on rebranding yourself through marriage. I mean, that's that's maybe the hardest rebrand, right? Yeah. I, sort of a side tangent here, but a really big decision-making process for me. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, my maiden name was actually in a, a last name that I chose from my stepfather when I was 12 years old. So changing my last name is a really big deal. And um, obviously, it, it was my last name was very, very close to my heart. And it still is. But my married name is sort of a new chapter. And it just came at the perfect time because a lot of things were changing. Um, uh, sort of, I guess, what we'll call on the front end of my life in the, the, the public facing eye. So um, I like it. I think it's kind of cool. And I'm really pleased to see like, it didn't stress anybody else out, you know, more than it stressed me out. Everybody seemed to like to say Landino more because it's a little easier to say. <laughs> How, how much fun did you have? I'm always curious. You know, men don't usually change their last name, I guess. So, but uh, coming up with your new signature, like that's a big, big decision, huh? Oh my gosh, you have no idea. It is so hard. Yeah, the signature's big. It's it's just like I I'm just getting through this process of switching over like credit cards and things of that nature, and I'm realizing as I'm doing each one of those like whoop, can't sign that old way anymore. <laughs> I gotta sign it this way. Um, so yeah, that's that is has been believe it or not almost the hardest part so far, other than getting TSA pre-checked to recognize that I exist and that I am the same person. So I, I love that you actually bring that up. And again, side tangent here, and we'll get back to the personal branding in a second. But I don't think people realize, um, especially when people get married and change their names, how labor intensive it is. And like the background checks that have to go on. And um, actually, Harak is my maiden name. Um, my, <laughs> I didn't take my husband's name when we got married because I was like, that's a lot of effort. And he was like, yeah, I don't blame you. That's okay. I told my husband, I was like, I love you so much and I want to be with you forever. But if for some reason you change your mind, I'm not changing my name again. This is just too much work. <laughs> See, what I, what I did for my wife last on the tangent is she was kind of dragging her feet. She wanted to change her name. So it wasn't a peer pressure thing. But I was just like, all right, I'm booking us a trip. 
and it's booked under your new name. So it's up to you to get everything done, right? If you want to come on the trip, like, you know, just, just do it. And she was like, all right, that's a good reason to do it, right? I mean, nothing like a deadline, right? Absolutely. Well, listen, we had a, we have a deadline for you, Amy, because you're coming to speak at Connex. So you're going to make, need to make sure that that passport to come over to, to Canada, same for anyone else who's listening, who's planning to come to the event, don't be that person who realizes that your passport's expired. Seriously. It's like, trust me when I say logistically, this has already crossed my mind because we didn't go on a honeymoon after we got married and we're going on that honeymoon at the end of July, but he booked it in my maiden name. So I will be expediting that passport to come to Connex. <laughs> nice. That's, yeah, again, nothing like a deadline to really, you know, make it hustle and prioritize. Um, so real quick, going back to the personal branding stuff, um, this is something that I know a lot of people are going through right now. How did you take a quick step back? Especially you had so much, you had social media channels established, you had a book out there. How did you kind of go through that process of sort of switching your personal branding and what steps did you take? And, you know, was it just sort of a lot of introspective reflection? How did that go? I think um, it it had a lot to do with reflecting because when you make a decision like this, um, it's possible to get to the other side of it. You just can't, you have to rip the bandaid off. So it was a lot to deal with, you know, as I I was reflecting on it, because it was not just, um, just logistically in my personal life, my name is changing. So therefore public facing, my name is going to be changing, but also knowing that my, um, my online presence, my brand, was also continuing to grow and therefore pivot a little bit. So I was looking at all of these things and saying, holy crap, I'm about to change everything. And it's just going to be sort of this big experience. And knowing it was going to happen, I probably knew for about a year that all of this was just going to come to a head. And for the last, uh, I would say, quarter or so of 2017, I tried to really start to share some content that I knew I wanted to get out there before I made a really hard switch and felt like I could finally kind of close the door on this previous version of myself. I think everything I've done thus far helps me going forward, but it doesn't mean that I don't have more to give and more value to share. So I knew that the beginning of 2018 was going to be sort of this Band-Aid ripoff sort of thing. Um, I got as much as I could done by the end of 2017. I took a little bit of a break at the beginning of the year, mostly for some planning for both of the businesses, but also for planning of rollout of this new brand. And I just showed up on YouTube one day and was like, here's my new name. Here's the name of the show. This is how it is going forward. Hope you can get on board. And it really has been so well received since then. I always say that if P. Diddy could do it, he changed his name like four times. Then anybody can do it. You just you just got to put, put the foot down, say this is what it is. And if people really have lo- you know, loved what you've been doing and trust you, then they'll be fine. It's a name. Who cares? No, I was, yeah, I, I was also going to say, I mean, you make it sound so easy, but I think that's because you have a specialty in helping build a brand, right? I mean, you know, a lot of us take that for granted when we've done it and we've been there and, and you're fantastic at working with so many companies. So maybe this is a good segue to talk about how you're helping companies tell stories for their brands and specifically using video. Yeah, sure. I think that's you're you're probably right in a lot of ways. I mean, we've obviously seen this whole we're going to change the name and and 
and do things differently thing go wrong too with a massively reliable name like Netflix. And I think the key thing here is when you hear the feedback and it works out or it doesn't work out and you just make make it work how it's supposed to go and you 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 pivot back and you make the change as it needs to. It worked out well for me, but across the board whether it works or not, the reasons why, you know, Netflix did just fine after that crazy name change situation of number of years back and why I'm doing just fine with the decision that I made and everybody receiving it really well is transparency and just being able to leverage this medium to say, "Hey, we're all human and I'm going to share some of this journey with you." And by doing that, that a big change or a big pivot or something along those lines is going to be more well received because it's not coming out of nowhere that I'm bringing you along for this whole experience. And so I think video has certainly given me a massive leg up on that side of things. But I think anyone that really knows how to master their own storytelling medium, whether it's a podcast like this or blogging or Instagram photo blogging, things like that. If you're mastering it and you're doing it well and people really feel like they know you, then you're going to be able to go through a transition like that. But yes, I mean, to your point, video storytelling is extremely powerful and it's not only enabling me to grow my business, but it's enabling me to make those small shifts and have an audience that is totally loyal to me believe in the fact that I know what's going to be best and that they're going to be willing to go along this with this with me. Well, and there's just something about video too, where you can see your reaction, you can hear the explanation, you can get a feeling for your passion that, you know, I think you really, again, have the leg up on with video. And even as a writer by trade, like I'm, I'm obsessed with words and I'm very connected to them, but it's like pairing that, that, that storytelling with words and also visual and audio, it's so powerful. And, and a lot of brands and a lot of people just are not really harnessing it as much as they could be today. At least that's what I see from my perspective, but would love to hear from you because you are obviously in this day to day. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and there are a lot of brands who are embracing it. I think the 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 ones that are and the ones that aren't, they just have one fundamental difference. And that is the the belief that the ROI will come over the long term because this is relationship building. Like I hate to make it sound like sunshine rainbows and unicorns, but the reality is I have put in, you know, a lot of work over my term of making videos, everyone that I've been coaching with and we've been producing for Aftermark, there may not be a return on one individual piece of content because the reality is this is an entire relationship that we're building on over every episode upon episode upon episode. And so those videos, uh, excuse me, those brands that are rocking video are the ones that just keep going and know that there's always more to share. And even if it feels like you're saying the same thing all the time, that's just making you an expert. And that's what makes people able to talk about your brand in a really easy way because you're always showing up. You're always bringing value for what that thing is that you have mastered. So the brands that aren't doing it right are either the ones that A, haven't gotten started at all, or B, just tried it a couple of times and nothing really panned out. And it's because they don't understand sort of like um, the slight edge theory, right? If you've ever read that book, you've got to keep going for this to actually make the difference for you. And most people who fail are the ones who gave up too soon. That's great advice, Amy. 
Amy and I'm getting confused with Amy and Anna today. Um, that's great advice, Amy. I, I, I think you just teed up the second half of this podcast and, and I want to get there and I want to talk about the ways to keep at it on a, on a regular basis. But before we do that, we're going to hear from our sponsors as well. We've got a special message from Jay. He's going to tell you all about Connex, where you can come and meet Amy in person and hear all this great advice live. But for now, we'll be right back. Hey, friends, it's Jay Bear. Imagine experiencing all the awesome that is Connex, but live. Everything you love about this podcast, but for two days in three dimensions in a beautiful theater in Toronto. This year, August, you're going to hear from the best speakers about content marketing at Connex, a truly intimate networking experience with 750 marketers. I'm the co-producer of this event organized by my friends at Uberflip, and we're going to bring together brilliant strategists and brand marketers from all over the industry in Toronto. It's August 20th through the 22nd. Every single session is a keynote. The speakers have been handpicked by me. They include Andrew Davis, Scott Stratton, Tamson Webster, Amy Landino, and leaders from DocuSign, 3M, Blue Wolf, Pardot, and more. Get your ticket today at connex.uberflip.com. That's connex.uberflip.com. Use the promo code podcast to save $50 off your ticket. I will see you in Toronto. We're back here on Connex and we've got Amy Landino chatting all about how we can leverage video. Now, Amy, I think historically a lot of us thought of video as something that had to be super polished and, you know, we come up with this great video that's going to be two minutes and it's going to hook someone in for our brand. But there's a lot of different formats that I'm seeing out there now of, of video content. I mean, we've got vlogging, which you hit on. We've got live video that's happening on a lot of our channels uh, from a social perspective. And then we're, we're implementing video as almost like a series sometimes that people loop in. Where do you see, you know, the next big thing or which of those do you think brands are most obsessed with today? I mean, absolutely all of them. I think there's so much opportunity there. Um, we've seen sort of these waves, right? Where especially like a juggernaut like Facebook was really excited for people to start uploading their native video at one point. And then it was like, oh, okay, native video isn't good enough. Now we need you to go live. And now it feels like pretty much all of these mediums are really effective. It just depends on the context of the experience. And uh, they just are the standard. I mean, you really can't do much on a, a place like Facebook right now where it's really tough not to pay to play. You know, organic reach is sort of getting taken away from us. And that's because this is just an incredible product that's totally worth paying for if you want exposure. But the standard is just really good video to get attention. You know, a third of all online activity is watching video. So it's, again, the standard. You've got to be doing it. So I think depending on the context, when you're thinking about where is the person we're trying to reach and what are they doing? Where is their attention and why is it there? How long is it there? That's what's going to make you start to understand, you know, what mediums or, or formats and different lengths and different approaches are going to make sense for you. And it might be all of them, but let's start with one. And so um, I, I think there's a number of different ways you could go, especially from a getting started standpoint. The one thing I like to say is if you are required to go out and buy a bunch of gear right now to get started with video, it's probably not the best option for you. Why don't you start with something that could literally be done by your marketing person with the phone in their pocket? And that's something like Instagram stories, Instagram posts. Really, you can do pretty much anything. You can do YouTube and Facebook with what's in your what's on your smartphone phone these days. So really thinking about that is important. But 
the format comes down to what is the medium? Why do, why are people paying attention to it? How long are the normal videos? You know, why do things tend to go super shared? Why are they viral? How short are they? How long are they? What's the experience like? And so that's going to give you a really good idea of where you should start to decide, you know, where is our strategy going to be? So you're not just sitting in this vacuum of, okay, well, here's what we could talk about and then trying to find a package for it. You know, look at where you're trying to fit in because that's what we're all doing doing on social. We are all each other's peer, no matter if you have a check mark next to you or not. We can truly present value in these mediums the same as everybody else. So you want to be able to fit in there, but you also want to stand out and that's where your message can start to do the work. So you know, tons of different formats, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's really about that context, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Jay Bear is very much behind this podcast and in bringing it to life. I think he does a great job as you put it with, you know, just raw video in the moment relating to people. And it's something that we're trying to do here as well. Now I'll, I'll be honest. I spend a lot less time on Facebook, as you mentioned, is it than I do perhaps LinkedIn, but, uh, you know, LinkedIn has also adopted video very much. And, and I'm seeing way more engagement when I post something, you know, that has video versus, you know, I mean, we saw a lift, of course, when we started to add images to our posts, but that video is just much more interactive and, you know, it's grabbing people on the fly. Um, a, a bit of a you know technical question for you, because a lot of people on this, you listen to this podcast, are always trying to figure out, okay, how do I get going? One of the big shifts though, that I've seen with browser rules is is that you know audio is no longer auto autoplay right so what's that doing in terms of some of the strategies for video as well as some of the approach you know to making sure people engage that's such a great question because it is such an issue with video today you know if you really look at the instagrams or the facebooks of the world let's just take those two and you consider what happens when a video is playing you know you often don't get the audio right away but when you go to youtube you do Another difference is that a video just begins playing out of nowhere in front of you when it begins to happen. And when you decide, quote unquote, decide to watch it, that's totally different from YouTube because when you are watching a video on YouTube, you decided to watch it by clicking into it. You intentionally viewed it. So you have these disruptive views on like Facebook and Instagram, and then these intentional views on YouTube, they're so different. So that audio component is big. And Anna was talk talking about this earlier with, you know, yeah, I can tell a story with words, but then when you have audio and you have video and all of these elements coming into play it changes up the mode quite a bit. So you'll probably notice if you've been, you know, I like to I like to see what people are doing, not always listen to what they're saying. If you see what people are doing on Facebook, the the videos that are doing well specifically are the ones that are leveraging captions. I mean, you cannot upload to Facebook without captions because the likelihood that someone's going to feel pulled in by the experience by simply seeing whatever visual you thought was appropriate at the first three seconds of the video, which is a whole different part of the decision-making process as you're making this video, is just not that great. So having that caption, being able to pull people in with words that they maybe just don't hear yet is important. You can also leverage that on Instagram because video posts don't always play audio right away. It depends on if you've toggled it on or off. And Instagram stories, I mean, what we noticed 
let's go back in time when Instagram ripped off the story's future from Snapchat. It's interesting when I was talking to a lot of people in the industry, they noticed they couldn't do some of the same things they did on Snapchat that they could do on Instagram because Instagram is the place of the visually beautiful and people go there to see visually beautiful things. So if you just uploaded you know, 10 stories in a row to Snapchat ranting about something, if you were to just download those files and upload them to Instagram, it may or may not work because they might just tap through your story because it's just your face for 10 slides in a row and they're looking for the visually beautiful. So audio plays a massive, massive role in, again, this decision-making process for the viewer to watch a video. And as much time and energy and finances we are spending on video and producing them, we don't want to miss out on the opportunity to actually keep the attention that we potentially get simply by making video because we didn't make it the right way for the experience. So... I love that you bring up experience because obviously the show is the content experience, but also the video experience, as you just outlined, even just that little snippet of it is just so critical. What are some other ways that people can really enhance the video experience, even just quick and fast tips, whether it be, you know, checking your lighting or your audio quality? What are some ways that are just must haves for you to create a great video experience? Those are really good suggestions right off the bat. Let's go through those. Audio will kill your video. If it's just bad audio, no one's going to continue to watch. So if you're in a wind tunnel, we might have a problem. If you're too far away from the microphone, we'll probably have a problem. So always making sure that you do have good audio, even though it could be a complete variable as to whether the viewer actually hears your audio. If your video is reliant on what is being heard, then make sure it is good audio. And great lighting just comes from common sense. For the longest time, even on YouTube content, I was just using the window. I was just using natural lighting. And that takes a little bit of practice and knowing what you're looking at and having a screen to make sure everything's good to go. But know that you can really use what's around you and do a good job with lighting a video. But yes, that's going to be super helpful. Dark and, and unseeable is difficult. But really, I recommend one big thing. If you want to be one of the brands that's making the best video online, when there's so much noise right now, especially when everyone's getting the memo about how important video is, it doesn't mean that you can just create anything and it will work. The biggest thing, in my opinion, that you can do to differentiate yourself and actually make the difference with video online is to look at the lens of the camera like it's an actual person. Focus on them. Focus on what their questions are, their issues, their state of mind. If they don't know about your product yet, what do they know about? Talk to them about that because we're building trust with them. We're building a relationship here. We want them to come back. We're always asking for the follow. We're always asking for the subscribe. Well, is your content even good enough to merit that? If you are actually talking to somebody like they're a person rather than a camera, it would come off so much more like you are in it for the long term. And that is where real subscribers, somebody who believes in what you're doing, that's where they really come from. That's awesome. I love even just that tip of looking at the camera and directly at the user and creating that sort of, you know, simulated one-on-one -on -one experience and speaking directly to them. That's, that's just huge. And I don't think people talk about that enough. Um, speaking on the other side of experience. So Randy brought it up earlier about Connex, the content experience conference coming up this August. You're going to be there as a speaker. 
um, how, what do you, are you able to give us a preview into what your talk is going to be about and some of the things you're going to touch on? Sure. I mean, like, I think we've, we've definitely been starting to scratch the start, the surface here today, but the biggest thing I think people struggle with both, um, in marketing departments, solopreneurs, pretty much anybody that's thinking about video is it's really easy to sort of get, get going, listen to the podcast, get started, make the first video, know that you're in it to win it. But if you don't actually have a sustainable strategy, something that can actually keep you going both to suffice for the actual subscribers, get them excited every time that you show up with new content, but also bring new people in, that sustainability is what most people are ill-informed about. And it's always about what's the next big viral thing or or what's the next question we can answer. There's actually more buckets to this that you really need to fill in order for it to continue to work for you. And there, every video has a different purpose. So that's what I'll definitely be digging into at Connex. I want people to be able to have that sustainable strategy, not just, hey, let's give this a go. And yeah, sure, Amy, we'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. You have to know really what you're doing. You have to learn by execution, but you also need to understand what it takes to have that sustainable strategy. And so I definitely want to dig into that. Nice. I'm so excited to see you talk. So I'm going to be there. Obviously, Randy's going to be there. Um, other people, um, I, everybody who's listening right now, I think if this is just even a snippet of what we're going to get, everybody's going to be amazed at what you have to offer. And I've, um, actually never heard you speak before, but I've, um, I know at least not live. I mean, I've seen your videos, so I'm super, super excited to see you at Connex. And I think everybody else is too. Amy, I feel like we could talk to you all day about this, but unfortunately, um, you know, we do have to come to a close here, but we would love for you to stick around um, and just talk a little bit more about Amy on the personal side now that we've gotten to know you on the professional side. All right, Amy. So we've we've got like one or two minutes. We always like to get to know our guests. I feel like we actually got to know you really well at the outset on this one. We did more out of the gate, and you know, yeah. And I'm almost like wondering if we should do that more often with our guests. But uh, you know, so all of our listeners know we always get people to fill out a form. And what I found interesting, and you know, a little bit of a it didn't align with what you answered in some of your personal interests, is you said your personal interest is travel, but you did not go on this honeymoon. How did that not happen? And when is it going to happen? Oh, um, it's finally happening in July. I'm I'm excited about that because man, I love travel. We here we're very blessed in our business. We've integrated travel into the business. You know, we're traveling all over the world to execute video and coach on video for a lot of different companies. And so um the honeymoon fell to the wayside because it's actually a trip where we get to relax. So <laughs> that sucks. But we finally get to go this July and and I'm so excited about it. We're going to be headed to Aruba. I told Vin, I was like, Vin, I want to go somewhere where it just sounds amazing to lay around there. I feel like if we have too many things to do, it'll feel like work. I want to go somewhere and do nothing. And so that's the goal. Do you usually have a hard time switching off because you do travel so much? Like, are you going to be on the beach the first day and be like, oh, I just, you know, maybe I should check my email. I will have no problem not checking email. I'm very good at like, I the, literally, I compartmentalize email like a champion. I check it like twice a day, honestly. But I, I love me some Instagram. Like that place is not just work, but it is fun for me. So I think that's the only thing that I might not sort of let go of. But yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't have a very hard time 
checking out when it's time to check out because I feel like I'm breaking a promise not just to myself but to my husband when I say like we're taking we're taking time off. And so if I know that we're going to come back better refreshed and excited because we really truly spent that time together and we do try to do that here and again, you know, one quick trip to Vegas here and there but like I, I we haven't been able to really take a vacation. So I'm excited and I know I'm going to be able to check out. I'll be Instagram storying, but I'll be checked out otherwise. So, so let me ask, have you, either of you ever seen that uh, video is so well done? It's like the the Instagram husband or, or the video husband. It is amazing. I'm going to find it. I'm sure if everyone Googles it, it is the funniest video. And it just shows the life of the boyfriend or husband who literally has to Instagram every moment of their spouse's life, right? And it's just, it's amazing. My question for you is, is is that the role of your husband now? Does does he have to capture those Instagram stories for you, or you or you produce yourself? He doesn't have to. He loves to. We're a good team. Okay, I gotta find this video for you. It's amazing. We're we're a good team. He's he's quite you know just because we own a video studio, it's kind of hard for both of us to like not nerd out about a little bit of camera gear here and there. So he has like his favorite cameras that he likes to shoot with, and he's shooting all kinds of things all the time that are not me. But yeah, I will definitely hand him my phone and be like, okay, look, it's my turn now. I need you to get me sitting at this picnic table. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. This, this has been so much fun, Amy. I mean, you know, there's certain guests that we we look forward to having, you know, a second time. And in your case, I, I look forward to the third. It's been so much fun to get to know you better. And, uh, you know, like we've talked about a few times, everyone can get to know you in person at Connex this summer in Toronto. Get your ticket by going to connex.uberflip.com. And in the Meanwhile, keep listening to our podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. You know, you can go to the Convince and Convert website and learn about us there as well. And check out all of our past episodes and do leave us feedback about what we can do to make this more interactive. The only thing I'm thinking in is we need like a video angle to all this, but you know, we'll we'll work on that. Um, but uh, until next time, thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.